would like to play a little tune I just composed not so long ago. Miss Billy, Miss Billy, Miss Billy Holiday. DJ Baby Monster here, and like every third Monday of the month, I am bringing you the music of my choice. It's Give Me a Beat, of course, uh, Radio Laura, 97.5 megahertz, or you can listen to us via web, www.laura.ch. And then choose a little web radio that there is in a corner. You can just click on it and listen to me right now. In tonight's show, I actually prepared something totally new for uh, Give Me a Beat. This is the first time that I reviewed a film festival. So the show is going to be a little bit different. However, nothing really changed. I mean, usually when I'm reviewing music festivals, what I'm doing is I'm exploring the female factor of the festival. Well, I did the same just on the film festival. Uh, and of course, because this was my first film festival and I wanted to check it out how it works, it's no surprise that I started from Zurich uh, since this has been my home for the last 17 years. And also because uh, there is a quite big international festival happening here end of September, beginning uh, of uh, October. So this festival, Zurich Film Festival, started happening in 2005 and Really quickly, it established into the uh, very important festival, uh, national and uh, in international film scene. Um, this year was actually the 13th year of the festival. I remember when they started. And I have to say, over the years, I would always check out the movies, uh, choose few. But never until this year, I've seen so many movies. And I, I still feel I haven't seen enough. Uh, I feel that I could have seen more. Maybe if I didn't have to juggle my work life uh, and the festival, it would have been easier. In reality, I've only seen 10% of the movies. Um, this year, Zurich Film Festival played 160 movies uh, over those 10 days that it's happening. And it was playing all over the cinemas around the town. The good thing about Zurich is that Zurich is a small, big city. Uh, so it has all the features of the kind of bigger towns, but it's actually quite small size-wise. So it was really great uh, to uh, go and check the movies because you could just move around uh, from a movie projection to, you know, uh, step inside of the um, pavilion of a Zurich Film Festival where you could get a drink, then go back to the movie, then get the popcorns, go to another movie. And not to mention that actually getting home or, or from work to home or from work to festival and then home was quite easy. The whole festival is, is happening 
really downtown and across uh, art house uh, t- uh, cinemas. These are like few cinemas with art house names, uh, which I actually really like. Um, then in Corso, in Arena, in Film Podium. And this year, for the first time, uh, Zurich Film Festival also included Riffraff Cinemas. And Riffraff Cinemas are cinemas in a red light district of Zurich, which brought a bit of a underground and spiced it up in really cool way by expanding the festival there. Most of the movies uh, that I liked had their projection in Riffraff. Sometimes I didn't catch them because I, I also had to be very, very careful and, and very, let's say, conservative about what I'm seeing when, because, as I said, I had to juggle it with my uh, workload and, and also I wanted to have the right balance of the movies um, that uh, I've seen. Now, as I said, I was exploring a female factor on the film festival. And what was really cool is that uh, the the website of Zurich Film Festival was already using hashtags uh, to point out female filmmakers. Uh, and what I did, I based my uh, search and my choice uh, based on two tags, female filmmakers and female life. Uh, and uh, I use them also when I'm writing my reviews, but it helped me really that um, Zurich Fel- Film Festival organizers did a really great job with their website and already uh, selected the movies based on these hashtags. And then I just had to choose which movies I want to see. Now, this I just had to choose was a very difficult choice because there were really great movies. But I said I've seen 16 movies and I, even that in such a short time uh, was great experience even though I feel like I've seen like tiny piece of a festival especially because I didn't really have time to go on the events my focus was really on movies and the only other things that I caught was uh, some of the press conferences uh, meet the filmmakers um, just really few events but actually what Zurich Film Festival is really cool about is mixing um, all these events uh, they're really interesting things like um, Zurich Film Festival Masters, Talks. Um, there is, for example, 72, which was a competition open for the audience. Um, and, you know, there were loads of parties and aperos and whatnot. So they really mixed that with 160 movie projection this year, which means amazing amount of movies to see. Plus, they're, as I said, located in the middle of the Zurich. So they basically create a really great mix and something very cool and, let's say, important for the success of the film festival in general. Actually, there was a sentence uh, that I read in an industry booklet, the one that, that I got when I received all the additional material with my accreditation. And there the organizers agree on a few basics for successful film festival. They say content is a king, collaboration is a key, and encounters among creative folks are essential. And I really feel that the organizers really try to fulfill this. And they were successful uh, by uh, creating exactly this atmosphere that they wanted and combining and keeping the eye on what is important for the film festival. If you would measure success in numbers, this year they actually increased uh, 8.5 comparing to the previous year. So even the numbers are showing that this was a successful festival. But nevertheless, even if it stayed kind of super underground festival but had those movies that I've seen, I would still tell you, for me, it was a cool and a great thing uh, to read.
review. And also, I hope uh, the local people and maybe some people even outside uh, that are listening to, to what I'm talking about now manage to come and see at least some of the movies. So what I'm going to try to do in tonight's uh, show, uh, I already reviewed all the movies as I've seen them. So if you are... Um, most of the listeners of Give Me a Beat are also following me on a Facebook. Uh, so if you're not, you can also go to the Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com and then slash stop dot give me a beat. And there, if you search based on a hashtags, uh, ZFF, uh, ZFF2017 and Give Me a Beat, of course, you will actually find all the reviews that I did. I'm going to try to cover all of them or most of them, maybe just my favorite ones in tonight's show. Uh, but what I really want to share with you is a focus on a few uh, movies and some material that I gathered uh, because, you know, it's quite hard to cover a 16 movies in uh, to our show. On the other hand, I really have some good material for you tonight. As I like to say, I have some goodies with me from some press conferences over to more. And I'm going to explain as I go. If you read a little um, preview of what's going on in tonight's show, you will already know what I'm talking about. But if you're just tuning in now, you have to wait and see. But I'm going to start first uh, with actually a review of one of the last or actually last movie of the festival uh, was the movie uh, called uh, Montparnasse Benvenu uh, or uh, Jeanne Femme. I think that's how it's read in French, but excuse my French because this is really not my language. And this movie was really a revelation. And I, I have to say a last minute discovery for me. And it was awesome that I managed to finish with the, with it, the festival. The story is about uh, this young woman, Paula, who is trying to find actually uh, her way in the wake of a sudden breakup. She's thrown by her boyfriend out of their apartment uh, in Paris and she is walking around streets of Paris with a cat in her hand. And she's going through all these adventures and, you know, this movie can go one or another way. But uh, Leonor Serriel, this is her debut, the director, she really done an amazing movie. Uh, there is actually not even one dull moment for me in this movie. And she was actually the one that wrote and directed the movie. So it was fully under her control. Uh, and, uh, you know, the main actress, Paula Leticia Dosh, uh, which I've never seen before in a, in a movie role, but apparently uh, she did, she, she's quite known for doing uh, good things. Well, I can tell you she was outstanding in this role. I mean, there was a point where I didn't know where Paula ends and Leticia starts. It was really so authentic and so great. And not to mention that I really liked, uh, you know, the photography Paula has like orange hair and two different eyes and the, the way how uh, images uh, of her hair for example against the blue in certain scenes or everything just looked awesome and it, it was really a great movie I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie in addition uh, what I found out is that uh, Many things, many aspects of the movie were actually uh, done by women. Uh, 
Uh, and, and this kind of created even the better ending uh, for somebody who is exploring the female factor of the film festival, uh, ending the festival with a movie where a producer, uh, director and writer, dire director of photography and composer uh, are all female, and I think even few more, um, it just feels like I wanted to finish the festival with this movie. I didn't, but it was a kind of like a cherry on the cake. It was just the perfect choice and I really enjoyed it. What I'm actually playing for you exclusively tonight, I reached out to Julie Rowe. She uh, did the music for this uh, movie uh, and then also to the people, her managers and uh, music responsible. And I've, I got the soundtrack of the movie just before it's coming out. It's coming out uh, on 27th, I believe, of October, and I got it now so I can play it in tonight's show. So I'm going to start with playing the music from the movie and then immediately uh, jump into the next movie. But through reviews of the first few movies, I'm going to play this music. It's, it's a really fun music. Again, you know, female artists is what I'm focused on. Uh, so this was really uh, the perfect choice uh, to start tonight uh, show with. Don't you wanna Free 
Combien de fois sous cette tour Se sont épuisés mes amours Celle dont je garde quelques lettres Remplies de ci et de peut-être Autant de pauvres avaloirs De grains de sable dans un mouchoir Combien de rendez-vous manqués de maintenant il faut se quitter Pas la peine de s'écrire Car on sait que ce sera pire Ainsi se terminent mes histoires Comme de simples romans de gare Sous les reflets de mon parnasse Dans me des rêves éveillés Les fantômes dansent des valses Près de la rue de l'arrivée Si l'on se perd dans mon parnasse on peut parfois y retrouver quelques traces, bien qu'elles s'effacent de mes vies inachevées. Et toi qu'à l'aube de mes trente ans, j'ai croisé sans y croire vraiment. Toi l'homme d'aucune promesse, toi l'inconnu à cette adresse. Qui partait vers d'autres lieux Et moi je n'aimais pas dire adieu Sais-tu qu'un jour j'ai cru te voir Au bras d'une autre rue du départ Vous aviez l'air si heureux Qu'un instant c'était nous deux Que j'ai cru voir prendre un taxi Voler une heure ou une nuit Sous les reflets de Montparnasse Dans me des rêves éveillés Près de la rue de l'arrivée Si l'on se perd dans Montparnasse On peut parfois y retrouver Quelques traces, bien qu'elles s'effacent De mes vies inachevées Tandis que sur la grande place Les autobus et le temps passent Se de la foule, les échos de mes amours saoules, les lambeaux, les avaloirs de ce qui ne fut même pas une histoire. heard uh, two songs from a soundtrack from the movie Montparnasse Bevenue. Uh, this song was actually quite uh, appropriate. Uh, Jeune Femme is, is a French name and it means young woman, uh, which would explain uh, Paula. But Montparnasse Bevenue is the English name of the movie and uh, actually it just represents the parts of the town where the movie is happening. Now, while we are listening a few more songs from Julie Rowe, thanks to Jeremy from Milan Music and Julie herself, before its official release, I'm going to 
to move to a next movie. Uh, this movie was special sc- screening. Uh, the next movie had actually a gala premiere uh, at the Zurich Film Festival. It's the movie The Wife with impressive cast of Glenn Close, uh, Annie Stark, and uh, direct- with director Bjorn um, Rung. Uh, this movie is actually the, the movie where I'm hashtagging it as a, a female life. Uh, and really exceptional movie. I have to say, I don't think I've seen uh, Glenn Close in any movie where she was bad, but this movie really explores uh, her acting capabilities in the way that I like. There is uh, some, let's say, parallel that I could see from one of my favorite movies where, where she was, Dangerous Liaisons, and this is this very uh, close camera um, on her face where uh, you you can actually uh, see her with very little movements do uh, some subtle and impressive and powerful acting. I'm actually trying not to do the spoilers, so I'm just going to tell you approximately what the movie is about, but I'm leaving it to you uh, to get interested and go and check it out. So this movie is... On the first glance, um, the the story about, you know, behind every successful man, uh, there is a woman. But as we uh, go through the movie, we realize that there is something more and something darker there. The story is, is around uh, Joe Kostelman uh, and his wife, Joan Kostelman. She's a perfect wife and he is a successful writer and he just won a Nobel Prize uh, for writing. And this is where the story gets into the unexpected twist uh, in the beginning and done exceptionally with a screenplay um, adapted by Jane Anders from the uh, Mac Volitzer novel with the same name, Glenn Close in main role, and uh, as well with the direction of Bjorn Rund. What is interesting is that in this movie, the young John or young Glenn Close is actually her daughter, Annie Stark. Uh, and it's kind of uh, quite an interesting uh, twist from the point of view of new generations of uh, talented actresses. And what I'm going to play for you tonight is actually I happen to go to a press conference where the cast Glenn and Annie uh, and director as well as uh, one of the producers uh, was present and I caught some of the conversation that I thought was very interesting and this is what I'm going to play for you tonight again as I said movie really worth your attention check it out if you have chance obviously not the Missouri Film Festival because the festival finished a week ago uh, so you have to find it somewhere else but this is definitely going to be in the cinema so I'm going to play for you a few uh, Um, questions from a press conference and you can even hear I managed to ask the question and uh, and Glenn Close uh, answered obviously she answered all the questions but that was a quite um, interesting moment for me because I've never uh, until now even asked the question uh, to an actress for especially somebody I'm such a fan of hers and I was a bit nervous to even raise my hand and ask a question but then when I did I thought it was totally worth it. You know, maybe one time in the future I will manage to get an interview, but right now I'm happy with this. Stop. Give me a beat! Joan Castleman is a really interesting woman, and she's caught at a strange point in her life. So why did you want to bring this character to life at this point in her story? 
Well, I think for that very reason. She's a very complex woman. Um, for me, it, it, it was a real challenge to understand her and to try to understand, you know, uh, why she did what she did and, and where she is in this very crucial uh, kind of uh, point in her life. So as an actress, I was very, it was new territory for me. And uh, it was, it was a, a wonderful challenge and a wonderful collaboration with, with Bjorn and with Jane Anderson. And Annie, for you, you're in a film with your mother, um, but because of physics and time travel, you can't be any scenes with her because you're playing the younger version of this character. But I was wondering if you two talked about this woman at different stages in her life. Extensively, <laughs> yes. Um, no, we, we uh, you know, going off of Claudia, so we, the film almost didn't get made yeah. several times, so, uh, and, but you know, we were attached to it quite early, so we, you know, had the luxury of time uh, to really um, develop the character of Joan truly, you know, almost to a minute level, and it was uh, truly a, a real labor of love, this mm. entire picture. Um, everybody that is sitting here right now gave much of their soul to this film, so. Mrs. Close, I would like to ask you, what kind of, um, since you work with your daughter on set, um, there you're not only her mother, but also her colleague. So how critical uh, have you been during, uh, yeah, on set? Well, to tell you the truth, uh, Annie um, uh, and uh, Harry, I'm uh, sorry, <laughs> um, they, they shot their scenes first. And I decided that when Annie was working, I would go away. And it so, was... Yeah. But why? Uh, why? And, why would you go away? I must just put it from my point of view as a director. I said to Glenn, you must. It's not good that if you are going to set at the same time, because I think it's not good for for Annie or for Glenn. So it was. But I didn't they, do it because of what you said. <laughs> 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 no, I had made that decision long before that. Just to give because her the freedom. I, I don't think it was. Good. It's her part. She, you know, she. It's it's her establishment of the character when she's young that I, you know, that's the the the, the characteristics that she created. Even though you see them after you're introduced to the older couple, that was crucial to be able to continue. And I didn't want Annie to uh, feel that she had a mother hovering around. I thought it was very important for her to work independently of me. And Annie, well, I'm, I'm sure I speak for everybody. I don't think anyone would want their mother hovering around them at work. Um, <laughs> right? You know? Um, <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I, you know. These two were very regimented about about that. I I I wouldn't mind if she was on set. You know, I I was like, okay, you do what you want to do. But um, you know, I it was it was wonderful to have her. You know, just having fun in the country <laughs> while I was working. <laughs> so no, it was great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, uh, I have a question for the actresses. Who stands behind you that doesn't get enough credit oh. for where you are today? Oh. My dog. Oh. Tell us all about it. What's his name well, and what does he do? He does, does get do? credit in the film because he's in the film. Ah. His name is Pip. Oh. 
Um, my dad. I love my dad. Is is my, you know, another hero of mine. And uh, it took him a long time to come to terms with the my profession of choice, unfortunately. But you know what? I, my dad. Yep. And Glenn, what did you think of Annie's profession of choice? Were you excited when she was going into acting, or were you nervous for her? Well, you can't be in this profession for as long as I've been and not be nervous. But also, I wasn't surprised, because I have observed her since she was born. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think she chose the right thing, even though it's incredibly difficult and as a parent, you just want your child to be fulfilled and to be happy in what they do. Um, so uh, that was my reaction. Just to, I just want to follow up. It's, it's a funny because we get that question a lot. Um, you know, she gets asked, how could you let this happen, <laughs> I guess. But I, I don't know. Her, her answer and also my answer is if you give... You know, if you love, you know, what you do and you love getting up in the morning and you are fulfilled, you know, to the absolute best of your ability with what you do, why wouldn't you want that for your child? It's just, you know, of course, this is a very crazy, beautiful, complex industry, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that, that she has dedicated. And my father also is a producer, so it's something that both my parents have dedicated their lives to. Um, wholeheartedly and with gumption, so, so I'm happy to follow suit. Role models. Yeah, yes. certainly. Uh, I have a question for Glenn. Uh, you won the award here on this festival, uh, Golden Icon Award. So I would like to know what actually uh, kind of mark of recognition or prize you value the most personally. What is most important for you? To win award or something else? No, I think what, what's, in, though I'm highly, highly honored to be the recipient of this this wonderful award. Um, I also, at a time in my career where there's a lot to look back on, uh, I what is important to me is that you do work that you that's authentic to you and that you uh, feel fulfilled by and challenged by, and then um, that you choose uh, stories that resonate not only with you that but hopefully with other people, and you spend your creative life with. Uh, people that are worth uh, leaving home for um, uh, because it's to me it's work and and family so it's and it's always the the bat the terrible balance between the two that becomes your life and your career stop
to Las Vegas Park I feel dizzy, I missed my ride I think I saw the other side You call me Angel, little star You were my gel, my sailor You locked me in, turned off the light Oh yes, you had me tight oh, Baby, don't you know I'm no picture on the wall So let me go Maybe you ate my soul Like a bird full of rage In a world like a cage I couldn't breathe, I couldn't fly I miss the buses passing by It only took me so long To realize I was wrong In the middle of nowhere I run away in the desert oh, Baby, don't you know I'm no picture on the wall So let me go Maybe you ate my soul Let's move to next movie. The next movie that I want to talk about is the movie Matar a Jesus. I have no idea if this is how you say it in Spanish, but I would say English name, Killing Jesus. This was, was part of the competition for international feature film. The film is uh, done in Colombia and Laura Mora was director and she also wrote a screenplay to, together with Alonso Torre. The cast, Natasha Jaramillo and uh, the rest of the people were actually all non-actors that Laura chose for this movie. The movie is really, really powerful. Um, it starts uh, with the killing of a young girl's dad. The girl, I mean, she's living a happy life and let's say privileged life in Colombia. Her dad is a lawyer and the professor. And one day on the way home from university, he gets killed. The beginning of the movie is very clear. These are the good guys and these are the bad guys. But 
as we continue with the movie, because Paula actually see the killer and she happens to meet him later on. And we start understanding also uh, Jesus or Jesus and his story. And it start being clear that the issue is much deeper and that um, there is a whole unnecessary violence and, and there is a, a lost generation in the, the all the political situation that is happening in Colombia. And without going into the details, um, the movie is so powerful. It doesn't have that many dialogues, but every scene is really meaningful and powerful. On, on top of all of this, uh, I happen to be in projection when the main actress and Laura, the uh, director of the movie and the writer, she was there and uh, she uh, told the story about the the movie uh, in a Q&A session. What I'm going to play for you tonight is actually uh, just part of that session, which which I thought is very interesting. Um, this, for me, was one of those movies that was really very, very moving. And I really have to say this Q&A session made it even more moving because many people in the audience were actually Colombian and they start talking how they were moved and they start talking about emotions that they're having because of the current situation. And the whole thing just became on another level. Um, and I wish you were able to see the movie in this setup. However, even if you don't, it's really worth seeing. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to play um, a few questions from Q&A session and you can make your own opinion and maybe check it out. At the end, we read um, it dedicated to my father. Um, I know this is a very personal film for you. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the background. What was the starting point for you to, to tell this particular story? Mm, I think the story is um, a compiled of reflections and thoughts um, that I had after my dad was killed when I was 20, 22 years old, just like the character. Um, so. Um, I, it took me a very long time. I was already a, a filmmaker student when when that event happened, and um, I kind of like um, detached myself from life, and um, and I kept questioning uh, what would happen if I would meet the person that killed my dad, because I wasn't next to my dad when he was killed. I was close, but I wasn't there. Um, and um, after a very long time without being able to write anything, I moved to Australia. Don't ask me why, I ended up like on the other side of the world. And like a year and a half after I moved to Australia, I had this really strange dream that I was at a lookout point in the city and I was smoking and this guy sat next to me and we started talking, we were about the same age at that time, 22, 23 years old. And he suddenly said to me, my name is Jesus, Jesus, and I'm the one who killed your dad. And I woke up and I started writing. I never, it was never my intention to make a film, but uh, with the years it just became a necessity. And I think at the end it's just a, a, a love letter to my dad and to the education that he gave me to resist violence no matter what. So <laughs> that's where the story comes from. So how long ago was that and how long did it take you to, to make the film? It took me like almost 10 years in the writing because I, um, I, I, I wasn't never sure if I could 
and then um, like um, in 2012, I, um, I started writing with a co-writer, and without him, I think that this would have never happened. Um, he also lost a, a brother who was killed, so I think he knew the pain and everything that we go through. But um, but he was detached from my own personal story, so he he helped me with the fiction a lot. Um, and from that was like in 2012, and then in 2015 we started like winning all the fundings that we need to make a film. So it's been a very long process, and this is so beautiful. Like to to you don't know how it it this feels. Like this is the third festival that we've been in and still is so emotional and so beautiful. So thank you so much for watching the film and staying. Stop.
So next movie for tonight, after I played uh, and talked about several movies, uh, is going to be an important one because it's also going to include an interview with the director and the cinematographer of the movie. Uh, the movie I'm talking about is a movie called My Life Without Air or Moj Jivot Bez This was an international documentary film, part of the competition. The movie has been released just this year and uh, actually it's currently touring the world and different film festivals. Uh, I think uh, Zurich Film Festival was uh, probably the last one, but you never know. There are still a few months till the end of the year. Um, I have to tell you a bit about this movie because my choice of actually movies that, I, that I've seen and reviewed on the Zurich Film Festival was in a way eclectic. Of course, as I mentioned, I did follow female filmmaker and female life options, uh, kind of a hashtags and theme because I was exploring a female factor of the festival, but the choice was still random because I had to select, let's say, minimum choice. So what I did, I chose different style of movies, a little bit of documentary, a little bit of uh, known movies, meaning like more like a blockbuster-ish, um, then also underground, uh, different languages. I tried to cover everything. And the first moment when I've seen this movie... Uh, that is actually uh, talking about free diving uh, with the Goran Cholak as a, as a main subject of the movie. Uh, he is a world champion in free diving, and uh, you know even the name actually already associates on s- something that is close to the free diving. Uh, but when I've seen this movie in in the list, the first association I had when I read the the title and I think the first sentence of what this, this movie is all about uh, was actually a big blue uh, Luc Besson movie that I loved uh, back in the 90s when I, when I was a teenager. And that actually reminded me on my growing up when I was living in, uh, in ex-Yugoslavia at that time and, you know, watching this movie with my friends and actually that particular movie inspired many of my friends to uh, to become or at least try uh, free diving um, and then I looked and and I realized that the director is Croatian director and cinematographer Bojana uh, Bornac and it just felt like a, a really great connection uh, since she is also from the same area and and somehow uh, that totally made sense and, and in my head I said, like, it would be so cool if I would uh, somehow uh, see her or get in touch with her and, and get an interview with her. Now, because I was mostly watching uh, movies and I didn't go to many events, and I, I only started figuring out how it works on uh, film festivals now, after the festivals, it, I, I didn't know how you can even request the interview. After seeing the movie, I, I went to the last 10 minutes of Meet the Filmmaker, which is kind of the event where you can uh, obviously meet the filmmakers. And I entered there and I looked and I actually recognized uh, Boyana because I saw her interview when I was researching for the movie. Uh, and I anyway planned to see the movie. And I approached her and we start talking. And this is basically uh, how uh, I managed to get an interview with her and talk even more. And 
of course, even better share with you in tonight's show. What I really like about this movie is that th there's not many dialogues in a movie. Approximately in the middle of the movie, there is a sentence that Goran says that kind of helps you understand his background or, or why is he doing that sport or who he is. But in reality, the whole movie is in many ways uh, very lonely and silent. And um, it kind of made sense for me. It's creates the parallel with what this sport is all about. All this uh, silence and deep concentration um, and uh, level of control that is needed for these sports and that surrounds this sport. And I, I really thought um, that by watching Goran and learning about him and, and about the sport uh, was a very intimate experience because Boana actually gave us an opportunity to sit in a movie theater and make our own conclusions and make our own experiences without too much of explanation. Now, what is really nice is that on top of that, I did manage to ask her some questions uh, related to movie. There was also a Q&A session that happened just after the movie and some other people could ask her as well. Uh, but this is really even more intimate for me uh, that I uh, managed to sit down with Boyana and talk about, uh, not just about the movie and the subject of the movie, but also about her and her life journey, how this movie happened, the concept of the movie, because she did the movie for five years and then edited it for uh, one year. So it really took a long time. So I wanted to learn also about her own life journey as a cinematographer, as a director, and also as a free diver, a sport that she is doing as well. And that probably brought her to this movie or I don't want to actually reveal too much because um, usually with musicians I prefer that they explain their music through the interview and this case when when you have such a young and talented artist you actually want them through the movie through the interview to give more information instead of me sharing with you trivia or what I read on internet and so on so I'm just going to start I also asked uh, Boyana to choose five songs of female artists of her choice and I will be playing that music that will give you even more idea who Bojana is and, and what is she all about. I am Bojana Burnac, I am director of the documentary film My Life Without Air and you're listening to Not Debate. So maybe if you can tell me more about, first of all, why did you choose to do anything with film? Like how did you choose film as your profession? And then we can we can go to the movie. Mm, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> uh, as a child, uh, when I was like 10 years old, I remember that I was adoring uh, to watch documentaries. Uh, especially in that time, uh, we had uh, National Geographic documentaries, and uh, it was m most of the time they were anthropological documentaries. Uh, about uh, different people on different parts of the world. And uh, I was actually imagining myself everywhere around the world. So first I was identifying myself as anthropologist. And then later I become aware that actually, I mean, anthropologist goes just a few places, but cinematographer goes everywhere. You know, so one month you can be in a submarine, one month, uh, the next month you can uh, shoot uh, with uh, gypsies, uh, the third month you can be, I don't know where, you know, underwater, whatever, you know, everything opens. This is like I said, like 
the camera seemed to be like a passport where you couldn't come inside as a civil, you could come inside with the camera. Mm -hmm. And then, like how I was growing up, uh, uh, images uh, were, uh, were changing their meaning for me. So especially uh, in adolescent, uh, when I had this uh, existential uh, crisis, we are calling it, we are always uh, in life in some kind of crisis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they become uh, very important for me. But also, I mean, uh, what, what it makes difference between camera and other things that I was doing, because I was also dancing uh, all life, I was uh, playing the piano, I'm still playing the piano, I'm still dancing. But um, the camera was the only object uh, with which I could uh, disconnect. I mean, I could stay connected with myself, but also disconnect myself from my body. Because uh, I realized that there is just uh, one way that I can play piano or dance, that is like uh, when I want and what I want. But with the camera, I could stay intimate in relationship with the subject and someone uh, who I was uh, shooting, for example, but also to be, I don't like to use word objective because I doubt that it's actually existing. <laughs> I agree. But you know, this more wide open view on something. Yeah. Uh, being behind the camera is really giving you an opportunity to observe human behavior and to understand human behavior and yourself uh, in some deeper way. Because you have a time. Mm -hmm. With the camera you get the time to think about what is happening. Show me the face 
Talking about this movie, it took you a long time to actually do the whole movie and also to edit it. Um, so during the making of the movie, what did you learn about yourself? Uh, I learned how to let go. This is what Apniel teached me. Mm -hmm. How to let go and how to relax. Uh, how to give yourself to the life. Uh, how to... Uh, feel comfortable in um, in the world where safetyness doesn't exist. I think that safetyness is illusion. It exists just in our heads. And uh, when people are uh, searching, almost everyone is searching for some safetyness in life. Uh, it is just a matter of how comfortable we can feel in our uncertain present and uncertain future and I feel very comfortable in that. So you also said you learn about your subject. Through, during this time, what did you think about Goran before you started the movie and at the end? I mean, in the beginning of shooting, um, I was just thinking about Goran without uh, any criterion, uh, without uh, any judgment. I was very open uh, to him to see uh, what he is and who he is. So for me, everything could work out. I mean, his results were not important for me. And uh, through the time how I was uh, getting him uh, to know better and better, I met a really, really great person. I think that Goran is a great person because he's very much in the place. I mean, he's the world record holder. And there is that sentence that he makes uh, in the film about uh, being alpha. But uh, I think also the, the way how people uh, understand uh, this voiceover of few sentences is telling more about uh, people than about Goran. Because if you think that what way he has to go through every day with himself 
to achieve these results. Like for example, uh, there is just 120 shots in the film. Every shot has a story inside. It just depends uh, on someone how you will watch it. For example, when he's shaving his head, you can see that he has a scarf, many scarves on his arms. So it means he is cutting himself. So it means that he is autodestructive. So just imagine someone who is autodestructive when he's at home. What way he has to go through with himself every day to achieve the best results on everyday trainings so that he could achieve his goal to be the world record holder. That is something so huge. I mean, for me, there is a story about Gora.
many people can learn from Goran. If, if some people were learn 10% from his focusness and self-control, they would be 100 times better than they are. This was quite impressive for me. But that being said, you, you mentioned when you were talking um, now in a QA, you said that he always avoids uh, to go into blackout. Why do you think that is? First of all, it is his ethical approach to this point. Mm -hmm. uh, because you really like, in a way, you die. In a way, you let go. Yes. And I, I think this is a main issue for him. I think he needs to be in control. In control. And that letting go, I think he's not yet there. Yes. And anyway, he doesn't feel good, you know, so why, I mean, during the breath hold, he doesn't like it, so why yeah. he would go to that far? And blackout is a disqualification on mm -hmm. competition. So that's actually the mind. He doesn't want to be disqualified. Yeah. I am Boyana Burnac. I'm director of the documentary film My Life Without Air. And you're listening to my debate. You yourself, you're a freediver. So when did you start? Did you start at the same time as Goran? And where are you at with the freediving at the moment? I started in 2010 and uh, Goran was already training in that time for maybe four or five years, something like that. Where am I today? Or Yeah. Are you still doing yes, this? I'm are still you doing and, and through this movie did you also learn something um, that you could use for your free diving from Goran, for example? Almost everything. <laughs> everything I like. I mean I really had a lot because uh, this film was my personal research of apnea. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just made a decision that I will make this research through his personality. And it, it just happened that he is the best in the world, so I was learning from the best in the world. Because Gordon is also very scientific uh, in medicine about the human body. Uh, that medical research that we show yes. and that we're making. I mean, Gordon knows much more about body in apnea than all that doctors who are the best doctors in the world in this part of the medicine. That's amazing. Well, when you spend every day holding your breath for 10 minutes... You should know, you should know.
So before continuing with the uh, interview with Boyna Bornach and the focus on her movie My Life Without Hair or Moj Jivat Bezraka and her life in general, I'm going to jump in and just mention another movie that I wanted to mention in tonight's show. The movie is called You Were Never Really Here. There was a gala premiere of this movie and uh, I have to say I was very excited to see this movie from Lena Ram because I read about it and I, I just wanted to see if the hype was right or not. And I have to say, this was really one of the best movies I've seen on the festival. Joaquin Phoenix, he's outstanding. He's exceptional. I think this is actually a role of his life. Uh, without going into too many details, the, the movie is actually um, very dark and intense and touching on all the, let's say, uh, always current subjects, uh, political conspiracy, sex trafficking, and incorporates lots of violence. But actually, the, the true heaviness of this movie uh, comes more uh, from the tragedy of the child abuse visible through, you know, the flashbacks, uh, the joy uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the main actor, has, and also visible in this main storyline uh, of Nina, uh, daughter of wealthy politician who is involved in sex trafficking ring. The story is really heavy. The way how it's done, the, the way how camera moves just intensifies the darkness as well as the emotional heaviness of the movie. And also these flashbacks where you figure it out what's going on, but it's not really stupidly explained to you what's going on. It's really the style that I, that I appreciate and like. And uh, I was truly impressed with this movie. This combination of... Uh, an exceptional uh, director, uh, Lynn Ramsey and Joaquin Phoenix was just the right one. And I would fully recommend anyone to go and check this movie wherever it's possible. Maybe this movie is not really up and everybody's taste. Uh, but for me, it was no matter how heavy, it was just right. So I'm going to continue with an interview. I had a bit of a technical issue in here, uh, but I'm back on track and hopefully will continue. I always have a plan B, a plan C with me so even if I am offline just for a few seconds uh, I'm very quickly back and uh, with all of my information sound uh, and if nothing else me live to entertain you as best as I can in the movie we actually see and we can assume what's happening but we we don't know what's happening. But you're sitting in front of me and you are also a free diver yourself. So maybe you can tell me exactly what's happening to you, the part that you remember and that you're aware about, what is happening to you during that So moment. during the breath hold, uh, body is trying to survive, actually. Mm -hmm. It's trying to survive. The only, and it's fighting to breathe. And it's fighting to exhale. Actually, because of the, you take a, a deep breath, then uh, CO2 becomes very high in the body, and that makes the need for breathing. So when we want to surface, it's actually body's fighting to survive to survive by exhaling because there is too much of CO2. So you have to exhale. The only way how you over, how you can overcome this condition is by mental control, and to use or to do mental control over the physiology 
on body. I mean, it takes absolutely everything outside of you. I mean, everything that you had repressed, you will not have repressed anymore. You will become aware of everything. You will become aware of your fears. You will become aware of your passion. You will become aware of anything. You cannot, it's just in breath hole, you cannot hide anything from yourself. Because it is, it is so hard and it is so extreme discipline. And I think it's very individual. I think it is not possible to, uh, to make it objective and some general opinion how it is. It is very individual for every freedom. So for you, it's actually self-discovery. Absolutely. Interesting. It's, it's really yeah, the best psychoanalyst <laughs> ever. <laughs> and, and you were saying actually that you like going into the blackout. So tell me about that. Why do you like it? What is the what is the thing that is actually attractive for you and and why? Feeling uh, of surrender that actually means to relax. To relax yourself means to surrender. Mm -hmm. And uh, that moment of um, when you lose physiologically, when you lose need for breathing, mm -hmm. and it is so beautiful that you just want to keep staying in that condition. I mean, why do you like orgasm? Can you explain me why do you like orgasm? It's just... Yeah. I mean, this is. It. I was trying to find answers for years and years. Through all those seven years, I was trying actually to find answer on my reasons. Why do I like the question? The answer for your question now. Mm -hmm. And it's always no matter how much I could rationalize these reasons, but always it would somehow slip into something irrational. And that is something that I was trying to catch. That's why I was making this film. I was trying to catch and find out that what was always so slippery. Isn't this funny? Because you actually, with all this, you're depriving your brain from oxygen, but you actually end up with the emotion and not with the logic. Yeah, 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 exactly. That right? is, I mean, at the end, you have to accept that some things are irrational. <laughs> yes, logically. And why they have to be irrational, yeah. you know? Why do we always have the need to control and to know and to be aware, you know? Just, just why we cannot just accept... That is, that is, that is the perfect condition uh, before blackout, when you lose the need for breathing, mm -hmm. you know? You're just a perfect being like pure existence. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect Boana, I'm perfect woman, I'm perfect, uh, I don't know, director, cinematographer, whatever, I'm perfect diver. No, there's no Boana. No, there's just pure existence of being, nothing else.
for you to be director and cinematographer. For me, actually, it feels that director is less natural for you than cinematographer, uh, but doing both at the same time, why did you do it? In a difference uh, with fiction films, documentaries, directors actually don't have time uh, to make some decisions on the shooting. I have, like, maybe as a DP, I made maybe... I don't know how many, 150 documentaries. Uh, some are short documentaries, uh, some are fe uh, feature documentaries. And uh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, uh, when I work with director, then we work in preparation. But when I'm on the shootings, he doesn't have a time to tell me now wide shot or now, now close up, now this movement of the camera on that moment. Cinematographer is making this decision. Then director has his time or her time in editing room. I mean, director of photography is like director of image and uh, film is visual media. So it's kind of really organic yeah. to direct this. But also, I didn't plan from the beginning, I didn't want to direct this film. Uh, I was uh, talking with a few directors in Croatia that I thought they could direct this, but I just realized that stereotypes about freedivers, about uh, uh, people dolphins, <laughs> are uh, so big and that they are so far actually from understanding this subject. I think that my experience of a freediver was a key 
to this uh, film. Because uh, if you don't know what is happening inside the body during the breath hold, you don't know what to ask. And if you don't know what to ask as a director, you will not, not get to your protagonist. Mm -hmm. And going back to that, why did you start freediving? What inspired you to start? I wanted to do underwater camera. I was shooting a feature narrative film in that time, and there was one underwater scene, and I decided that I will do this scene on my own, that I will not call for another underwater cinematographer. But also, I wanted to be underwater cinematographer, and uh, being the first uh, female director of photography in the history of Croatian cinematography, I knew, I mean, going through that way of being a woman cinematographer in the film industry, I knew that no one will give me that job, because no one would believe me that I can do it now underwater, on a single breath. You know, they would just miss that I say and, I'm, and I can sing at the same time. So I decided to give myself this job and I wrote the script for this film and I made this film. So while you're still listening to Buana and her story and a few songs that she has chosen, uh, I'm going to jump and just add another movie that I've seen that I think it's worth mentioning. Of course, in tonight's show, I'm not going to be able to talk about all 16 movies uh, that I've seen, but at least I'm going with my favorite ones or partially a favorite ones. You can also read all of my review on a Facebook a Gimme a Beat page. As I mentioned before, www.facebook.com and then slash stop dot Gimme a Beat. If you like my page there, you will also get an information about every show, uh, the evening before it's happening, and an information about the podcast that I usually create a few weeks after the show has been aired. Uh, so in this way, Way. There is basically no way to miss Give Me a Beat. But if you're currently listening to me live, let me continue to yet another movie. The movie that I'm going to mention as well is the movie called Blew My Mind. And this is a debut from uh, Lisa Brunman, young director with as well a young cast. These girls, Luna, Zoe, uh, regular, are all uh, 17, 18 year old girls. And this movie is a uh, is a kind of a special one uh, and I feel either you like it or not in a way it's metaphorically for me representing the transformation that comes with the teenage years where you're trying to find your true authentic self and um, you have to yourself accept it and then uh, see the, for the rest of the world to accept it as well what I really loved in this movie is that girl gang that girl squad uh, connection that exists where uh, you have, of course, the best friend that supports you and everything. And no matter how mad you are, and in teenage years, we are all bit mad even more than usual. There is this best girlfriend that you can tell everything and that accepts you for who you are and see the beauty in you. The, the movie turns into the fantasy at one point and without actually spoiling it, uh, I think the Swiss audience will probably have a chance to see it and you should. Um, you should also support local young artists. Now, 
That being said, uh, Lisa already got a great support and won three awards on the festival. The movie was in the competition for the movies Focus Switzerland, Germany and Austria, and she won that. Another one, she won a critic awards and a church award. I have no idea what the church award is, but it doesn't really matter. Three awards matters and really cool that I managed to see it and even catch Lisa uh, during the Q&A session that she did. Now, most of the session was in German and uh, because my show is in English, I didn't want to play it. I mean, this is the same reason why with Boyana, for example, I didn't do an interview in our language. The reason is because I wanted to share with, with the with the listeners of Give Me a Beat and, and therefore do it in English. That being said, I'm going to continue with music of Boyana's choice and uh, as well as rest of the interview. Bye. 
difference between doing a free diving in a in the sea or in the swimming pool so uh, in deep free diving everything is about I mean uh, most important is equalization of pressure inside the body and and outside in the water in the environment yeah so equalization and uh, you don't uh, use uh, much uh, your strength and muscles because uh, after 20 or 30 meters depth uh, you become a negative a negative buoyance and you are sinking down in the pool is much more difficult so it's easier to go deep diving than in the pool in the pool you use uh, muscles and you have to be really trained did you ever think that you would be successful with this movie? I was hoping the film will be successful. Not that I will be successful, mm -hmm. but the film will be successful. Because it is the way how I can give back to God and what he gave to this film. He has his reasons why he gave his most intimate story and his life to this film. And uh, the way how I can give him back is to make successful film. But also when I was working with him, when I was looking how he's dedicating and how he's giving up of everything else in life, and then I was uh, observing these doctors who are like the best doctors uh, in the world, in this part of medicine, and then I was thinking like, I mean, if they can do all that, what is the reason for me not to make a good film? I wanted to make a good film. I mean, I wouldn't give seven years of life for, I don't know, local film. For average. Uh, this is nice, but this is something uh, that I couldn't... Uh, um, I couldn't know that it will happen. Yeah. I was very stubborn when I was doing this film. I was very stubborn and I was insisting that I will do it in the way that I think it has to be, no matter what other people will think about it. And I was aware that it is not film for the big audience, that it, it will not be commercial. So that's why I'm even more surprised that actually so many people like it. What is next for you? I'm planning to rest. It's just somehow it doesn't go. I'm so active with this film. Uh, both my, yeah, I'm preparing um, one subject for next film that I want to direct. I also have a few documentaries uh, that I'm working now on as a DP. I am Boyana Burnac. I'm director of a documentary film My Life Without Air. And you're listening to Mid Debate. So yeah, you just heard 
the whole interview with Boyana and the choice of the music. Uh, check out My Life Without Air or Moj Život uh, Bez Raka, a really cool documentary. And maybe this talk and the movie will inspire you uh, to even try free diving or just learn a bit more about how a brain function when you're deliberately stopping it from uh, using air or when it is without air. Um, I'm going to quickly move already to one more movie uh, that I've seen that I also loved. And obviously, that's why I'm mentioning it tonight. We have not so much time left, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to cover everything. But the next movie uh, that I want to mention is Grace Jones, Bloodlight and Bami. This is a documentary about Grace Jones. Uh, you probably know who Grace Jones is. Uh, she is definitely a legend and she influenced generations of artists and non-artists over several decades. Uh, I've been her fan since decades. Uh, not only fan of her music, but also her style, attitude, her authenticity. And I really love this documentary because uh, Sophie Fines from The Family Fines, yes, uh, shows a sexually different side of Grace. Not just Grace as the entertainer and musician and artist, but also Grace as a daughter, a sister, mother and grandmother and she doesn't forget of course uh, the side of Grace that we know but she shows us uh, Grace in the studio as a recording artist and already the name of the movie uh, Bloodlight uh, being the red studio light when the right artist is recording or right now in the studio is blinking as well here for me and Bami being uh, actually the special flatbread uh, from Jamaica uh, which is kind of the essence of the life in Jamaica and is related to Grace's roots. This movie is awesome um, from every point of view and and I love that uh, actually during uh, the movie there are performances that are creating the seamless division between the parts of the movie. Not one dull moment in the movie. Very, very interesting. One of the things that you should definitely uh, check out. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to try to play a few more songs from obviously Grace Jones and one really appropriate one for the beginning. And then we will see how much time we have. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Grace Jones, slave to the rhythm.
No worries, I will play a few more Grace Jones before the studio switches us to automatic playlist. Before actually finishing tonight's show, I wanted just to mention that all of my reviews are available online on uh, Give Me a Beat. And I recommend for you to check it out and to see really what I enjoyed and what I like and what I recommend. Two more movies I want to mention tonight. One is Daphne. It was part of the International Feature Film Competition. It's a very cool movie from uh, Peter Mackey Burns and, and uh, Emily Beacom is, is amazing in this role. She is an awesome, authentic, intelligent, gorgeous redhead, but moody and slightly asocial and charming in I don't give a fuck way. It's already a kind of, I think, a great introduction for a cool movie. Check it out because she doesn't know yet how cool she is and she's searching for herself during the film in such a charming and cool way that it's worth checking out. Another movie is Gook, uh, which is uh, the black and white Justin Chon's uh, debut that takes place in 1992 uh, during the time of LA riots. Uh, he's also a main actor, uh, but what I could really, really recommend is actually uh, Simone Baker as a Camilla, 12-year Camilla. Again, exceptional role. few more that you should check it out, uh, but no time for it tonight. Uh, so with a little bit more of Grace Jones, I am finishing tonight's show. My name is a Baby Monster. I was really rushed to finish all of this. This was Give Me a Beat, a review of the Zurich Film Festival, and I will be with you in a few weeks, third Monday of the month as always, but until then, I'm wishing you a good night, and until the next time.
Club day, nightclub day. We're walking through town. Nightclub day, nightclub day. We walk like a ghost. We learn dances, brand new dances. Give me a beat! 